Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you today by Simple Habit, a guided meditation app that has been helping millions of people improve their focus, build a better mindset, sleep more soundly, and feel happier. With Simple Habit, you can meditate wherever you are and without the need for phone service. Their guided meditations can be downloaded and accessed anywhere, be it on your commute, in an airplane, or during your lunch break. Simple Habit is not only a great meditation app, it also provides quick-to-listen-to self-development training sessions that are useful to professionals of any field and are delivered by a wide variety of experts. Discover why over 3 million people are using Simple Habit. Go to simplehabit.com living to read what other people are saying and to download their free app. Right now, our listeners can also unlock over 2,000 premium meditations at a special 30% discount. Get started by going to simplehabit.com slash living. Thank you. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Light on Life's Difficulties by James Allen, published in 1912. Today I'd like to offer some advice on the management of your mind. Before a person can see even the necessity for thorough and complete self-management, they have to throw off a great delusion that so many people have. The delusion of believing that their failures in life are entirely due to those around them, and not entirely to themselves. I could make far greater progress if I were not hindered by others. Or it is impossible for me to make any headway seeing that I live with such negative people. Our commonly expressed complaints that spring from the air of imagining that others are responsible for one's own folly. The violent or irritable person always blames those around them for their fits of anger. And by continually living in this delusion, they become more and more set in their irritable ways. For how can someone overcome, or even try to overcome, their weaknesses if they convince themselves that it springs entirely from the actions of others? Moreover, firmly believing this as they do, they vent their anger increasingly upon others in order to try to make matters better for themselves and so become completely lost to all knowledge of the real origin of their unhappy state. Every person's weaknesses and shortcomings take rise in their own heart, and they alone are responsible for them. It is true that there are tempters and provokers, but temptations and provocations are powerless to those who refuse to respond to them. Tempters and provokers are but foolish people, and the individual who gives way to them has become a willing partner in their folly. The strong soul cannot be tempted, the wise one cannot be provoked. 
Let a person fully realize that they are absolutely responsible for their every action. They have already gone a considerable distance along the path that leads to wisdom and peace, for they will then commence to utilize temptation as a means of growth, and the wrong conduct of others they will regard as a test of their own strength. Socrates thanked the gods for the gift of a difficult wife, and that it enabled him to better cultivate the virtue of patience. It is a simple and easily perceived truth that we can better grow patient by living with the impatient, better grow unselfish by living with the selfish. If you are impatient with the impatient, you are also impatient. If you are selfish with the selfish, then you are yourself selfish. The test and measure of virtue is trial and tribulation. And like the gold and precious stones, the more it is tested, the brighter it shines. If anyone wishes to rise and become a person of strength and character, let them cease to think the weak and foolish thought, I am hindered by others, and let them set about to discover that they are hindered only by themselves. Let them realize that the giving way to another is but a revelation of their own imperfection, and lo, upon them will descend the light of wisdom, and the door of peace will open unto them and they will soon become the conqueror of self. If you are continually troubled and disturbed by close contact with others, this is an indication that you require such contact to drive you onward to a clearer comprehension of yourself and toward a higher and more steadfast state of mind. The very things that you regard as insurmountable hindrances will become to you the most valuable aids. When you fully realize your moral responsibility and innate power to do the right thing, you will then stop blaming others for your troubles and start living steadfastly under all circumstances. The scales of self-delusion will quickly fall from your eyes and you then will see that often when you imagine yourself provoked, you yourself are really the provoker. As you rise above your own mental disturbances, the necessity for coming in contact with the same condition in others will cease, and you will pass, by a natural process, into the company of the good and kind. You will also awaken in others the nobility which you have arrived at within yourself. Being noble, and the nobleness that lies in others, sleeping but never dead, will rise in majesty to meet your own. The lesson of self-control is the foremost lesson that the world has to learn on its way to wisdom. All the bitter punishments which people undergo in the school of experience are inflicted because they have failed to learn this one lesson. Apart from self-control, success is a meaningless word. 
For how can we truly succeed in the outer world when our inner life is in shambles? Self-control is the door of heaven. It leads to light and peace. Without it we are already in hell. We are lost in darkness and unrest. People inflict upon themselves far-reaching sufferings and pass through terrible torments both of body and soul through lack of self-control. Not until they resort to its practice can their sufferings and torments pass away, for it has no substitute. Nothing can take its place and there is no power in the universe that can do for you that which you, sooner or later, must do for yourself by entering the practice of self-control. By self-control we manifest our divine power and ascend toward divine wisdom and perfection. Every individual can practice it. The weakest person can begin now and until they do begin, their weakness will remain, or they will become weaker still. Calling or not calling upon God or Jesus, Brahma or Buddha, spirits or masters, will not avail those who refuse to govern themselves and purify their hearts. Believing or disbelieving that Jesus is God, that Buddha is omniscient, cannot help those who continue to cling to the elements of strife. The flower reaches the light above by first contending with the darkness underground, and we can only reach the light of truth by striving against the darkness within ourselves. The vast importance of self-control is not realized by most of us, its absolute necessity is not apprehended, and the spiritual freedom to which it leads is hidden from our eyes. Because of this, people are enslaved, and misery and suffering ensue. But to let us contemplate the violence, impurity, disease, and suffering which occur upon earth, and consider how much of it is due to want of self-control, and we will gradually come to realize the great need there is for self-control. I say again that self-control is the gate of heaven, for without it neither happiness, nor love, nor peace can be realized and maintained. To the degree that it is lacked by a person, in just that measure will their mind and life be given over to confusion. Self-control is the beginning of virtue, and it leads to the acquisition of every noble attribute. It is the first essential quality in a well-ordered and truly religious life, and it leads to calmness, blessedness, and peace. Without it, although there may be theological belief, there can be no true religion. For what is religion but enlightened conduct? And what is spirituality but the triumph over the unruly tendencies of the mind? When people both depart from and refuse to practice self-control, 
they fall into the great and dark delusion of separating religion from conduct. Then they persuade themselves that religion consists not in overcoming self and living nobly, but in holding a certain belief about scripture and in worshiping a certain savior in a particular way. Hence arise the innumerable complications and confusions of letter worship and the violence and bitter strife into which people fall in defense of their own formulated religion. But true religion cannot be formulated. It is strength of mind, a loving heart, a soul at peace with the world. It need not be defended, for it is a being and doing and living. A person begins to practice religion when they begin to control themselves. The wise concern themselves with their actions and not with the consequences. They consider not what is pleasant or unpleasant, thus doing only what is right and not straining after results. They are relieved of all burdens of doubt, desire and fear. Nor can one who so acts ever become troubled by difficulties of painful perplexity. Their course is so simple, straight and plain, that they can never be confused with misgivings and uncertainties. Those who so act are said by Krishna to act without regard to the fruits of action, and that such people are supremely good supremely wise. Those who work for pleasant results only, and who depart from the right path when their own, or others' happiness appears to be at stake, cannot escape doubt, difficulty, perplexity, and pain. Ever forecasting probable consequences, they act in one way today, and in another way tomorrow. Unstable and blown about by the changing window circumstance, they become more and more bewildered. But they who work for the good only, who are careful to do the right thing, putting away all selfish considerations, all thoughts of results, they are steadfast, unchanging, untroubled, and at peace amid all the vicissitudes of life and the fruits of their acts are ever sweet and blessed. The knowledge that wrong acts can never produce good results, and that right acts can never bring about bad results, is in itself filled with sweet assurance and peace. For whether the fruits of your actions are sought or unsought, their bounty will always come to you in time. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get your own private feed to our podcast with full transcripts delivered right to your smartphone by becoming our patron today. It costs less than a cup of coffee a month and will ensure the production of our podcast for years to come. Visit livinghour.org slash patron. Thanks for listening. 
I look forward to talking with you next time.